be straight with you. It's taken me almost 45 years to uncover and unwind what has been holding me back in almost every aspect of my life. I mean, I want you to understand that I've now seen the face of anger, anxiety, fear, and I've been able to say thank you, but you can go now. Squad 322, red throwing fire. People reporting Imagine if every moment of every day was unscheduled, unknown, and uncertain. Where you had to choose between your life and the life of another. Where you were deployed somewhere in the world to face an unknown threat and an unseen enemy. This is the podcast designed to serve those who serve us. So join me as we unpack and uncover why we do what we do when we do it from life's most extreme moments. I'm your host, Jeff Bandman, and this is Mindset Radio. All right, so before we begin today's show, I want to show some love over to the guys that really support us and sponsor us at Brute Force. Listen, if you haven't bought a sandbag, if you're not preparing yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally for what you may face today, you're missing something. And that sandbag, (laughs) it will kick your ass and it will give you exactly what you need. So do me a favor, head over to BruteForceTraining.com. That's BruteForceTraining.com. Use your coupon code OPMINDSET Get a discount from those guys, pick up a sandbag, and now today choose to start training accordingly. All right, welcome back to episode two of this week. Uh, We're back Wednesday afternoon here with a little bit of deep dive, continuing the podcast with Elliot Rowe, uh, world famous, amazing uh, hypnotherapist who has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who has really listened the first episode this week i i thought was really pretty pretty amazing pretty eye-opening you know we kind of talked about self-sabotage we talked about crap running behind the show what inhibits us what inhibits us from performing the way we really want to perform and then kind of what drives us to doing a couple different things and so elliot here's where i want to start the conversation uh we talked briefly about this idea, right? That the kind of the childhood trauma stuff, the things that occur in childhood prior to seven. And you'd said this before the show, and we kind of lightly touched on it. And I really want to dive into it a little bit because I think this is an important point that there are more than likely there are things that occurred early for all of us that have chosen to be in these worlds and chosen to put ourselves at risk and, be a fireman, be a cop, you know, serve in the military, do these things. Uh, There's something that occurred early that set the stage for that, if you will, right? That really began to uh, drive us in that way. And we touched lightly on it. And I would like to go kind of deeper into that model. And then I'd love to hear from you, people that you've worked with out of various communities, uh, and, and just some of the lessons you've learned, some of the things that you've seen, uh, because, you know, this isn't just an isolated component. This is everywhere. So let's talk about setting ourselves up to, to be these crazy people who do crazy shit or, you know, out in the world or in our community, drive fast cars, run into burning buildings, go get shot at. Uh, what, what makes that happen? 
Um, well, I mean, it's definitely something I've seen. You know, a lot of a lot of the stuff that I work with is is relatively extreme. You know, if I'm working with a, a UFC fighter, if I'm working even you know professional gambling as well, it, it's choosing to oh, be yeah. on that out, outside of you know version of life, a slightly less traditional route. Um, and oftentimes, as you know, we're going through and looking at you know what self sabotages are happening, what led people in this direction. Um, there are things that come up in childhood that, you know, difficulties with parents, um, bullying in the house. One of the ones um, I've seen with serve, people in service as well is um, being a victim of bullying at school it can be something that they, they, they sort of want to right some wrongs that have happened and they haven't sort of overcome the emotional trauma from it. But then they've decided to take, you know, they're then in a situation where they can right the wrongs that weren't righted for them. You know, those sorts of situations I've definitely seen come up. Um, and then when it, when it comes to, I, I guess the most interesting thing I've seen when I've been working with people in different areas, different arenas, um, oftentimes, like I said, I'm working with people at the top level of whatever arena they're in. Um, the problems are almost identical, whether it's someone on Wall Street, someone going into a UFC fight, someone in the Olympics, um, it's, am I good enough? There's a fear of failure or fear of success in place that's giving their ego an excuse not to give 100%. Because if they mm. don't give 100%, they can tell themselves, I would have been the best if I did give 100%. So yeah, it validates like, that. It validates something for them if they lose or don't do as well. Exactly. And that's the mm. thing that I've definitely seen as like a consistent theme throughout every single activity the vast majority of high performers and there's a very big difference between self-sabotage when you're top hundred in the world and self-sabotage when you're not successful. So the self-sabotage <laughs> might, <be>, yes. <laughs> might be small, but you know, one of the questions I'll ask people is, you know, what is the number one person in the industry doing that you're not doing? And they'll give me a list <laughs> and I'll say, okay, right. so you know exactly what the number one person in your industry is doing and you're choosing not to do those things. Why aren't you doing them? And I, oh, I don't know. And as I say, as we work through this with hypnotherapy, we start to, to see that, you know, effectively by not doing the things they know they should do, if they fail, they can tell themselves, well, I chose not to do it. It was my choice to not be number one. And mm -hmm. if I'd chosen to, I would have got there. Um, and that's definitely sort of a consistent theme that I see throughout everything. Well, and you just said something interesting, right? It's really the difference of whether or not you're choosing that or not. Yeah, and it's a subconscious choice. So they don't think, they don't see it until they're forced to explain it. They they don't see it as a choice. Um, but it is something where, you know, that program is running. It's, yeah, like, I mean, I'll have athletes who are missing training sessions or, you know, brokers who, who's a, traders who who aren't following what they know is their game plan particular trades and they're not following their own rules that they've set and as i say as we dig into it they don't know if they deserve the success they don't want mm. to be seen as a, as trying their best and being a failure um so it was sort of well, an interest they also don't know that they, they wouldn't say that like straight up oh, they wouldn't oh, be like and, oh and i'm this comes from the hypnotherapy sessions. So they'll come to me yeah. and they'll say, I'm not doing these things and I don't know why. And we'll right. say, okay, we'll do the hypnotherapy and then it will start to come out these, all these sort of defensive, you know, this, this ego protection that are the classic one with people who are 
very intelligent in these different situations, is when they were a school child, they didn't have to work to get top grades in elementary. Hmm. Right? So they, in their mind, started to take pride that the other kids were working and they weren't working. So as it gets harder and harder, it becomes difficult for them to put the work in because it's become part of who they are, part of their personality, that they're someone who doesn't have to work. But if they did work, they would be the best because in their elementary school, they would have been or in their high school. And then this sort of repeating pattern happens of them struggling to give 100% because they're not someone who feels they should give 100% or have to, or they feel it would damage their ego or the way they view themselves if they have to work. And, or it would um, set them apart from a group or, you know, separate them from the herd or the tribe or not, you know, have them be different and nobody it, wants it, to be different. Exactly. And then if they're not performing at the best, they have the excuse of, well, I would have been the best if I'd chosen to, but, you know, I just struggle with doing that. So these are the sort of the big theme that, that happens in high performers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many times has it been? It's, it's just interesting to me how, how much stuff we really put in our way around things. You know, I gave a talk. Uh, and I think I'm going to talk about it here uh, with Marty. We'll touch on it a little bit, but like, and I say this, just I straight up say this, my time in range battalion was awful. Like it was a grind. Like I, I just struggled there and had nothing to do with physicality, had nothing to do with ability. It was just so much crap running in my background uh, that created that situation the way, you know, I perceived it. Uh, that if I could have just been freed up and done, you know, done there, it would have been, would have been an easier time. I loved it. I mean, I got a crap ton from it, but internally, like inside, uh, just screaming, just like, Oh, this sucks. Interesting. Yeah. And, and those things is once your mind's going down those roads, it's so difficult to perform at your best. So anytime mm -hmm. the brakes are on in any way and you're not, you're not able to get yourself into, so into flow. So I believe that everyone performs best when they're in the flow state. I mean, this is usually a mm -hmm. athletic ability, but even if, you know, even if you're writing a book, even if you're, you know, going into a firefight, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're not overthinking and you're just doing what you've been trained to do, typically you'll perform better than if you're thinking your way through a bit. Like if you think about trying to walk, it's very different from just walking. Um, and yeah, so a lot of it, a lot of the work I'm doing is trying to clear all of this noise, clearing the anxieties, all these other bits and pieces, so that when it's game time and it's time to truly perform, that's the time they flick the switch and they can they can really kick into true full performance, being in their flow, just doing what the training has created for them. Yeah, you know, we kind of talked about that with Doug, you know, in the model, looking more at like the the biology aspect than the psychology aspect, right? Looking at the systems that work in our body, right. And in our brain and understanding that like our limbic cluster is really that real time operating machine, that radar that's out pinging the subconscious, if you will, the things that we're heightening, especially in this world uh, where we're trained to be on and observant and paying attention to things like that's running. But then the neocortex is really nothing more than just a time machine, right? The opportunity to think about the past or the future to, project the ideas of things or think about what happened. And a lot of times that's left in negativity, 
We built a narrative around things. We kind of create this story. We allow that story to compound on it. And the re reality is, is that really what happened? Like the, the question mark is, is that your version of it or is that what actually happened? And it's always your version. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. um, if, if someone else has seen the same situation, their story will be slightly different to yours. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so so everything is to some extent a creation, and that's where it's use. It's actually useful that that's the case, um, and because that means that the mind is malleable. So memories are malleable. Um, that's why hypnotherapy mm -hmm. works. Is because we're everything we're seeing is to some extent sort of a projected illusion. With how the eyes are, except you know, accessing the data that they're being given, how we're hearing things, how we then process that data, um, our mind doesn't really know the difference between a very strong visualization and reality. So yeah. what we do with very strong visualization is, um, you know, we can start to shift the way those memories are viewed. We can reframe the memories that are triggering, that are causing the impacts, um, and then. In future situations, when this situation, when it comes up, you're you're basically running a new program because we've overwritten the old because it it was only a projection of reality anyway. Um, yeah, you know that's interesting. Like, and I want to track back to the the session we had, which is, you know, you had me in the office of my mind, right? You had me on this top floor office, big windows, floor to ceiling, overlooking the city, kind of seeing everything and. Uh, knock at the door and invited in this this figure, right? That is stress, anxiety, frustration, anger, right? Uh, and you asked me what he looked like, and he had me describe him. And I could, I mean, I could see him as if it was another person standing in front of me. Uh, kind of this wrinkly mess of evilness, <laughs> really, is what it felt like, uh, you know. And then we tracked back into some of the events in childhood sitting at the dining room table was a big thing for me a lot of anger there a lot of anger there a lot of fear a lot of uh, well i would say it was very fragile always right fragile would be a good word like anything could happen at any moment i could be screamed at yelled at uh, thrown across the pool whatever whatever could whatever might happen just constantly in this high state of anxiety and then we kind of had that that view where we were able to kind of almost take a black and white, remove the emotion out of it, uh, see that it had nothing to do with me, right? It wasn't, it wasn't anything I was doing. I was just a kid, right? I was just four or five or three or sitting in my high chair. I was just being a, a, a kid, that's it. Uh, and really begin to separate that out. And then through the work and through kind of going into specific points in my life where I could actually really for the first time, remember some of those moments later tracking back to that office and then seeing how that person had even changed physically, right? Had lightened a little bit, had uh, eased yep. a little bit. And then you had me thank him and send him on his way um, and appreciate, so you know, we, what he got. As we resolve those memories, your interpretation of fear-based self changes automatically. Um, yeah. And again, this is very hard to describe to someone who hasn't been in the sessions, but Seriously. you sort of, you feel this lightness happen as you let go of these things and you resolve those memories. One, one way I find it quite good to describe to people because it resonates with so many people is, you know, most people have had some level of bullying at some point of their life. Sure. Their 
Now, when right now, so if you're out there and you're listening to this, think of your childhood bully and how does it make you feel inside? And a lot of people, even when they think of their childhood bully, still feel a little bit sick inside or they feel a bit of pressure in their chest or they feel uncomfortable, you know, thinking about how that person made them feel when they're a kid. In the hypnotherapy, we'll then go back to those bullying incidents and look at it from the outside. And it goes from being this when you're when you're the child looking in and it's life or death in your mind when you're seven years old and there's another seven year old there. As an adult looking in, it's a seven year old pushing over another seven. Mm -hmm. So you reframe it. It's looking at it from a different. Does this look like life and death? No. Okay. Calm the child down. Explain to them. This doesn't matter. This kid, you know, it's not relevant. This is a seven year old child. And as you start to see things from the outside rather than from the inside. It sort of overwrites those memories and then the clients then when they after the sessions when they think of their bully no longer have this sick feeling this pressure inside so that's mm. how i know there's been a shift because the, the sort of the, the before the session if they think of them they're having this feeling post sessions as they're thinking about the same thing they're like yeah there was a seven-year-old kid who was mean in my school like it just becomes no different to what did i eat for breakfast instead of something that's embarrassing or shameful or guilty you know stress or something like that and that's basically how this process works yeah it's it's pretty crazy i mean because instantly i felt like i lost 200 pounds like instantly like i feel lighter in my body still like i woke up this morning all happy and like you know my kids were like who are you you know my <laughs> said something to morgan last night on text or whatever and you know she's like okay what did you do with jeff where did he go who are you uh it's, it's pretty crazy because it, it does feel that way. I feel lighter. And even during our session, like when, when I was saying goodbye to old boy, you know, old freaking anger monster, you know, it was weird. And I would say, you know, in my logical brain, the sun just got brighter at that moment. But literally with my eyes closed, like it felt like somebody was shining a light in my eyes. Uh, and my wife, who's totally hippy dippy, would be like, no, that's the universe. That's the way it works. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. And so, I mean, it is all those things and it's fun to look at. And honestly, it is. It is pretty radical. I mean, I've done over the last probably six years, done a lot of work and done a lot of work to heal the things that I've carried and seen and done and life and et cetera. And I will not to blow smoke up your ass, Elliot, or anything, but I will say that just literally two hours with you was probably one of the most transformational things I've done to date. Like most radical and significant and real change. Now, if next I, week I'm an asshole, I want my money back. And this, this is one of the, the things that I think is so interesting with the, the, this sort of process is um, you can't now pretend that you can't be happy. Yeah. So, so the difference <laughs> is you, 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 have a point, you have a point of reference now. So yeah. there's, there's no way that you can ever say, hey, I'm, I'm Jeff, I'm an angry, stressed person, because let's say it's a week, let's say it's two weeks, let's say it's the rest of your life, whatever it might be, the reality is you now have a period of time, whatever that period is, where you know it's not innately you anymore. It was based on something that happened to you. And once you have evidence that it's not innately you, 
you have no justification for your behavior anymore. That's that's been taken away. You know, your your excuse to your wife of I'm just grumpy. She'll be like, No, you're not. No, you're not. You remember that time? So so it's like removing this it's removing the excuse to allow you to be a grumpy person or an anxious person. Totally. Um, and that in itself forces the shift to be long term because you the logic's no longer there. You can no longer follow through the logic of this is just who I am because you now have significant effort, evidence that it isn't right there. And that's, it's, it's no longer, I no longer say, well, this is just who I am. I'm just this way. Cause I'm really not. Yeah. I mean, and, and to kind of cap back, right. When we left Monday, I asked everyone to give them their scale, give them their number one to 10. How do you wake up in the morning and, and look to see where they are. And I got to tell you since then, I mean, I'm waking up at like a zero to one, I mean, I even driving home the other night, music playing in the car, girls talking, traffic going on, kind of under some time pressure. Normally, I would be through the roof at that time, like out of my brain. And I was just like, all right, well, we'll get there. I mean, a little bit. Maybe I was a two or a three on the anxiety scale, but like <laughs> that was I was like, something's wrong with me. And that's where you've got to think about what performance difference that would make in a high stress environment. Oh yeah. Oh. Your, your your energy, instead of being wasted all day at an eight or a nine, and then it, it actually is an eight or a nine and you have to deal with it. Your energy is being stored for the rest of the day at a one or a two. And then something significant happens and you have now all of that saved energy where you would have wasted it being alert in restaurants or wherever you'd be alert. Um, and you can actually do your job 100%. And these are the sort of incremental like changes that if you get this in a lot of areas of life, if we go back to the competition side, that's the difference between a win and a loss in the Olympic Games or totally. whatever it might be. Or, you know, in a firefight, it might be the difference between life and death if you have that little bit of extra energy, that little bit more about you in that moment. Yeah, I mean, in a few more episodes, we're going to really dive into what bandwidth is. And what that means internally, biologically, in the body, uh, in the mind, like what bandwidth does for us. But really, in summation, that's it. It is the space to deal with something. And that's why I said in the last episode, you know, I feel like today I would actually be better. I thought that all that anger and anxiety and frustration, everything else, like it kept me on, right? It kept me kind of keyed up, ready all the time. But looking now, <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because I've got to like, okay, dickhead, you know, you didn't, <laughs> you were wrapped, wrapped so tight that you were inhibited from actually having the space for things to occur and then respond accordingly or act accordingly or do what I needed to do appropriately in that situation with the appropriate response. I just didn't have the space for it. You know, one little thing I, mean, and I was tapped out already. I mean, if you think of it, it's like you're running all day. Yeah. And then, then you're lining up to have to do a sprint and someone else has been walking and they're sprinting against you. You haven't got the same level of energy that they have in that situation. Matt, I said the other day to somebody, I said, you know, it feels like I'm having to run a marathon to get to the starting line to run a marathon. Yeah. Like I'm out. And I'm... And, and as I say, if you just sort of extrapolate that over your entire life and what that's mean, 
what that means. You know, it it's so much wasted time, so much wasted energy. Oh. It damages relationships. Um, and all of this stuff, the thing is, most people don't believe it can be worked on. Yes. Unfortunately, there are, there are, lot, there are lots of therapies that, that aren't particularly good. Um, mm-hmm. Or they certainly not every, not every therapy works for everyone. So they'll give something a few right. tries and, you know, they'll say, hey, I tried therapy. I'm not fixed. You know, something along those lines. Right. And, and they see it as this is innately me rather than seeing this as this is a learned behavior that I need to find a way of readjusting. And the value of that readjusting that learned behavior is is just so exponential over the rest of their life. You know, if if you can live your life in a less stressed place, um, that will have different relationships. It will have difference in how long you live. It will have difference in your physical fitness and how you store your fat. It will have difference in your wealth, how you build new friendships and networks mm-hmm. if you're not a stressed out person. So really, if you are living your life at that eight or nine and you're stressed and angry all the time, really think about, you know, finding someone to talk to, see that it is, it is fixable, it is resolvable. Um, and once you believe you can change, that's sort of the first step to this, these processes happening. Um, it's just helping people understand that it is just a choice and, you know, you've got to put in that effort if you want to see that change. One hundred percent. I mean, and you're speaking into a highly critical, high, <coughs> highly judgmental, um, highly, highly skeptical audience. I mean, we're we're designed to be that way. Uh, we oh, you know, complete, and it, yeah, it, 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 you should be. You know, um, from my side, you know, I was highly skeptical of hypnotherapy. I had a fear of flying. Um, I was turning down free trips, long haul flights, because I just didn't want to get on the plane. Um, it's ludicrous. <laughs> Basically, I'm having to start on yeah, a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, but it was real. Like, don't, don't was, minimize that because it was oh, man, real for yeah. you. Like, that was a oh. big thing. Yeah, I, I literally felt I was going to die if I got on a plane. Um, sounds ridiculous, but it's it's how I felt. And I'd be stressed if I went on a short trip. I'd be stressed for the rest of the vacation knowing that I have to get on a plane at the end of it. It would ruin every trip. As I say, I would turn down big trips. Um, I went to a hypnotherapist and she resolved it in an hour. And... I was like, it changed my life completely. And because of that, I went and got trained up to do this because, and initially I didn't think it would be a job. I just wanted to be able to do this for friends and family because I was like, well, if I, if I can just fix people's major issue, right. um, that's going to be a great thing to do. And, you know, as that then started, as you start helping people and start changing people's lives like that and take away these big fears, then people talk and it, it ended up becoming a very good business because you know, if you can offer that sort of value, then, then word spreads. Um, well, and you're but, good at it. I mean, you met the first qualification for being a hypnotherapist, which is you got to be British. You got to have an accent. <laughs> I mean, that's like, yeah. Got, <laughs> it's like, like, like critical requirement. If you don't have an yeah, accent, yeah. you're, you're out. Yeah, like that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got the voice thing. I've got the voice, got the thing, voice thing down. <laughs> Soft spoken British accent. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> you're qualified. You can help me hundred percent. Yeah. But, Fundamentally, you're also good at what you do because, you know, like in our session, we spent, what, an hour just kind of asking questions. You were just kind of, we were just talking about life. Like I didn't, I didn't have to come ready with like what I needed to fix. I didn't have to come in and be like, Elliot, this is my problem. Fix me. Like I didn't know. I didn't know what the hell was going on. It was like, okay, things aren't working. And I'm constantly spun up. I knew that much. Mm. 
but but I didn't know why, and I didn't quite understand all of it. And I knew it was having an impact on a lot of areas of my life. And so, you know, just kind of coming with just a like a baseline awareness of like, okay, shit's not working right now. Please help me. And then the way you kind of move through the questions and we just talked about life and we just had a conversation like we're having right now, uh, I think makes the big difference. Right. And, and, and what you can tell from that is, you know, I've done literally thousands of those conversations as you're talking to someone in depth about the way they feel about life and the things that are easy, the things that are difficult for them, nearly always there'll be something that stands out that doesn't match with what you're expecting to hear. Hmm. And that that's where, you know, that's the, there's, there's a weak point. It's hard to describe and it's even hard to give examples of. Right. Probably a large part of it is just like the number of these that I've done. But there's often just something stands out as, like, okay, this doesn't jive with everything else that they've been telling me. There's something here that's just out of kilter. That's, that's like the, that's the point. That's where, that's our starting point. That's where we're going to have the biggest impact today. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're someone who talks to a lot of people anyway, let's say you're a manager and you're hiring and firing staff, I would guess it's probably the same in the interview process, that you do it enough you just you just hear there's there's just something in the language that stands out to you and and i feel that that's a big part of the work that i'm doing is really looking for those weak spots those things that don't fit with everything else they're different to the narrative and attacking that weak point and as we attack the weak point we often see that's when these traumas these memories these difficulties from the past come up because there shouldn't be a weak point there there shouldn't be something that's incongruent yeah yeah, 100%. So I want to ask you, so you've got, uh, you've got an app, right? You've got an app out there? Yep. So yeah, I've got an app, Prime Mind. Prime Mind. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put a link up to it in the show notes. Uh, so talk to me about the difference between using the app, right? Where it's, it's, and I'm going to use this term, correct me, please. I just can't think of another word right now. But it's, so it's a more of a generic guided meditation or guided session. Talk to me about yep. the difference between using something like that and actually doing a hypnotherapy session. Okay, so there are different types of hypnotherapy. There's regression-based, which is what we've been discussing today, which is trying to solve the problems of your past. And there's something mm -hmm. else called suggestion-based, which is what the app is, which is... I'm talking at you. Obviously, you can't. I can't hear you and listen because it's a recording. Um, so, so the way that this works is you get very relaxed, the same way you would in a normal session, and then you're visualizing things. You're putting yourself in different scenarios. You're working through stresses. You're letting go of stress and tension in your body. Um, but usually, you're looking to create a short-term effect. So, let's say what there's a sleep section, and it'd be like letting go of stress before you sleep. So you're looking to let go of the stress that evening before you go to sleep that night. But then you would be listening to another one of those the next evening because it, it creates like a shift in mindset in that moment. But what it doesn't do is create a long-term resolution to the problem because we're not hitting the root cause of the problem. So this is, you know, in my app, I've got, you know, before you go and play sports, before you go for a job interview, um, before you do public speaking, before exams, before you go to bed, like preparing yourself for the business day, for sales calls, all of these different directions and things. But you're looking to get a boost for that day that you've listened to this 10-minute track. 
um, it just it's not possible to create a digital product that's playing that can get into the deep resolution of issues type things because yeah you know it's, it's one-way traffic it's just coming from me but there's there's a lot of free content on that app so you can mm -hmm. get an idea of what hypnotherapy feels like so if you want to download it out there there's loads of free audios give it a try see what you think go through the introduction courses uh, you should notice especially if you're struggling with sleep um i mean we use it every single big night one. for our four-year-old four twins massive issue totally yeah and i mean give it a try for that and just see see what you think when you try it out there um but it will give a very good idea of the sort of feeling of this process but don't expect it to be the therapy that we've been describing in these episodes. See, and I think that's important, right? And that's why I wanted to kind of bring this up because there are a lot of things out there and there are a lot of things, in my opinion, there are a lot of things that make a lot of promises uh, that offer things as more long-term permanent solutions that, uh, you know, are, are at least frame the idea that by doing certain things, you know, you're going to have this instantaneous long-term effect. And, and I really wanted to separate those, right? And so I really appreciate the way you have said, you know, <clears throat> the app is a kind of an immediate short-term deal with something, right? So you want to sleep better tonight. Fantastic. Or, yeah, you or you're really angry, you're really angry and you want to change right. your mood. Like yeah, it won't totally. stop you getting angry forever, but it will help you. <laughs> it will help you in that moment when you need it. It's there. It's there for that. It's that band aid. It's yeah, it's a whole, it's, yeah, right. It's a great. It's a. It's a highly actionable kind of in moment resource that's available. Right. That's how exactly. I would kind of look at it. Uh, which is awesome because we have to have those. I mean, those are those are important. Those are critical. Those are critical to our success because life's going to show up and life is a shit show and so it's going to bring about all kinds of things and it's not you know all rainbows and unicorns. Uh, <laughs> although my wife would like to really it, to be rainbows and unicorns, uh, you know, it's not that way. And so I think that, I think that understanding the difference between actual hypnotherapy, actually doing the work, actually going in and looking at originating incidents or looking at kind of what has occurred and then working on that, right. Reframing that and the impact that can have, which I'm a, testimony to now uh I, and i'll tell you elliot i you we met quite some time ago and you said hey come do a session with me and i resisted it for a while because like man eh, it's not going to do anything uh you know i don't really want to i don't want to spend two hours of my time doing that you know and so i kind of <laughs> resisted it for a while uh and so you know i just want to frame for the audience the difference between actually getting in and spending some time and doing some work and and, and really attacking something versus your app or, you know, any of the other apps that are out there, but especially, you know, I, I really appreciate that, that that's, that's how you view it and put it out. And, and I think there's just for the general wide audience out there, given the marketing and giving the way people frame stuff, I don't know that people would, would instantaneously look at it that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, it's difficult with these things, you know, people are out there making promises that aren't realistic. Yeah. Um, but you know, what we can say is you can change your state in 10 to 15 minutes for the rest of that day. You can improve your mood for the rest of that day. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, as I say, I just believe in being open and honest as to what the effects people can really expect from this stuff, rather than overpromising, because it doesn't it doesn't do anyone. It doesn't help us long term if we're <laughs> if we're overpromising either. Um, uh, yeah, you know. So. Uh, one hundred percent. I think that's why I like you, because uh, you know. I mean, I, well, and that's why I asked you to come on the show because I mean, this part of this effort is to really educate and bring some awareness to some things that are going on out there that the top athletes are doing that, you know, the one percent of the one percent are actually taking on and doing, and they're doing it with the right people, and they're seeing results versus kind of the rest of the general population out there that's feeding on you know, the frenzy of people's fears and struggles and everything else. And, you know, for this particular audience, because we actually care, because we actually give a shit and we really want, you know, these guys who are already in high stress based environments, having to make just critical decisions instantaneously, how do we arm them and develop them and give them the absolute best tools and carry on this conversation that you know, guys aren't hanging out having, like we said earlier, you know, guys aren't hanging out in the firehouse, you know, or down at the coffee shop or, you know, sitting in the car next to each other going, man, I really self-sabotaged on that last call. Uh, yeah. You know, those things just aren't, <laughs> that's not the conversation. Maybe it will be after but, today, but. You know. I mean, but the conversation I'd really like, I think probably more so than in the work environment, mm-hmm. question the self-sabotage in your relationships and your family. Because I would say that can be more costly, that can be more stressful. Like you might not, you know, if you go through your day and you think about, oh, you're fighting fires or you're, you know, you're shooting or you're in the police or what have you, you, you might get through your day and there's no evidence of self-sabotage, but then step back and say, okay, how did I treat my wife? How did I treat my kids? Those sorts of things. Be aware there's different ways of, or your health and fitness, you know, there's different yeah. ways this self-sabotage can show us. Man, I, and I will, I'll tell that on myself. Yeah. I mean, in my previous marriage, uh, I hid at the firehouse. I mean, I, I ran away and the firehouse was my safe place to go. Um, so that I didn't have to deal with stuff at home. I didn't actually have to, uh, uh, face what was there, uh, deal with what was there and interact at the level that you know, was expected me to interact. And I used the firehouse straight up as my excuse, my reason not to be at home. And, you know, I, I just hit. I'm sure you're not, you're not the only one. (laughs) I know I'm not the only one. (laughs) And if you're listening, I will call you out by name. No, just, I know I'm not (laughs) the only, I know I'm not the only one. It's like, like legitimately when I look back, you know, and again, hindsight's 2020, but you know, that hopefully we're getting into some foresight here, but, and I, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to firehouse. Da, 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 da. It was like, oh, I got to be there for this meeting, or I got to do this, or we're doing this project, or I got to cover for this guy's shift, or, you know, I'm the guy that they can always call because they know I'll cover or whatever it may be. Like I, you know, I put myself in the condition of always available to the fire station and never available to home. Yeah. And that's just reality, you know, and it, and, and you know, and it created clearly created a significant impact. Uh, and I've, and I've even done that again. Like, so I've repeated that again in life with like work and business, 
you know, I, I need to be working so hard all the time and I don't have time to spend with my family because we've got to make money and we've got to do this and we want this life or we want to buy this house or we want, you know, all these things. And what it's really done is it's given me an out to avoid relationship and intimacy. Yeah, tough, tough, tough conversations. And yeah. Yeah. Say intimacy, testing yourself is, and these are the sort of programs that I was describing earlier. Um, regarding this sort of your subconscious has a reason why it's doing it. You know, it's running this program, it's holding something back, it's keeping you safe in some way, it's protecting your ego in some way. And yeah. it's this is the sort of work that as you go through it, it's like, oh, suddenly life can be lots easier because I don't it's not necessary for me to protect my ego. You know, it's like it's and you know, whether it's in sports performance or, you know, what if I spend more time with my family and they don't like me and they don't want to spend time with me? That can be a fear for men as well and with women, I'm sure. Um, you know, there are a lot of different directions these things these things can be attacking us from. Yeah, and and here's the thing: I believed, I probably believed for the majority of my life that if I changed or if I gave that up or I let that stuff go that life would actually be harder. Like that was a very real, like if I wasn't stressed or I wasn't anxious or I wasn't, you know, available here or I wasn't this or I wasn't that. Like if I, if I actually gave that up, that one, I wouldn't be good at my job. Life would be a lot more difficult and I would have to, and it would have like this dramatic, you know, apocalyptic event in my life that would just go to a total shit show. I actually believed that for a long, long time. And, and I think that sort of le level of stress, or let's say, you know, people who punish themselves for mistakes excessively, things like that. It's a very good way of doing pretty well or even very well. Right. But it's not, not possible if you have that mindset to reach the very true peak of anything. Because there's always this thing like holding you back slightly, the, you know, that, that person, that competitor who has that energy without that negativity, without that resistance holding them back, they're always gonna slightly outperform you. So, you know, this is a lot, a big part of, you know, what I see of people who are top 100 in the world or something. Their, their sort of aggressive mindset, their frustration, their anxiety has driven them to world class mm -hmm. but but they just can't break that top 10 because the guys in the top 10 they they've got something different they're processing things in a different way and this is a lot of the work we're doing to take people from the top 100 to the top 10 yeah you know i mean I, <laughs> yeah yeah if, if, if life for me occurred as a grind like i had to do things i had to struggle i had to I had to work for all these things and, and then never really satisfied in it or getting where I wanted to be. And, you know, even Morgan looked at me and she's like, if you're going to do this, if you're going to do this podcast and do these shows and do this stuff, you better, you better get some shit out of your way, <laughs> you know, cause, <laughs> cause you know it, you right. I mean, and especially in our world, I, when I give talks, I gave a talk up in LA, a bunch of firemen and I walked in the room. I said, all right, you know, you and I both know, that this room is like stacked floor to ceiling with judgment right this minute because uh, that's where we, that's how we show up right automatically judgmental automatically doubting 
automatically wondering what the hell is this kind of guy going to say? Is it going to be bullshit? Is it going to do any, do me any good? You know, and my request right up front is, you know, put that shit at the door, like leave it outside and just be here and you can pick it up on your way out. But, you know, I know that because I've been that pretty much my entire life. You know, I've been highly judgmental and highly critical and highly doubting of things. And this, this journey now has been about what is, what is life look? I mean, I figured, okay, it's not going to kill me. And if it does, it does. What's, what's this, what's this going to look like without all that stuff? What does life actually look like without all that crap in my way? Uh, and it's pretty cool out here. It's, it's, I mean, I'll place a bet with you that it's better. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, it, you know, I'm but, not taking that bet because it is right. I mean, it is, uh, it is crazy. And if I went, if I was back in that world, when I look at it, how much more effective I would be at my job. And like you said, and at home, like in my relationships, in my personal connection with people, in my intimacy with the people around me and my ability to connect with them, you know, my authenticity and just the realness around it. Like that's a, you know, none of us like anybody that's full of shit. And reality is I think I've spent my life full of shit. Uh, so, you know, that's as wife everyone has, you know, this is, yeah. this is a long term, all of these things are processes. No one starts out without any negative programming. It's just not realistic. It doesn't matter how you try and build, like bring your kids up. They're still going to bring up something in 20 years that you did wrong. Totally. <laughs> Even if you put, you know, so it, it is something where you need some sort of self forgiveness with it. If mm -hmm. No one's done it right, but there is a process to start trying and start to work through where, you know, None of it's innate in my mind. Like I don't right. believe these things are innate I right. that they're programs. I believe they can be unprogrammed. I've seen lots of evidence that this is true. Um, you know, there are uh, psychology. I still feel is to some extent, it's not really a science yet. Yeah. So I feel it's some, somewhere between art and science. Yes. Um, maybe in 20 years, that'll be different. But the way I see it is we're relatively simplistic beings who pick up programs, which keep us safe. And the things we pick up at five years old usually aren't that useful or relevant by the time we hit up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is it, I was thinking about this as we're talking, you know, I don't and I don't feel I don't feel bad about my life either. Like, I'm not looking at like, oh, I was such a dirtbag. I'm actually able to laugh at myself now, which I could have never done before. And I think that's a big difference to to know. I mean, I, th and I think that's where standard psychology and some of these things, like it keeps us in this mode of, I've got to work on this. I've got to feel better. I've got to, you know, duh, duh, duh. like there's more to it actually adds more to it than needs to be there when it's like, no, okay. So, you know, this was just it. Like there's a blankness there around it. That's, that's okay. Yeah. 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 And we just move forward and have a better day tomorrow. That's, you that's, know what, that's, that's it. All we're capable of doing. That's that that's 100% it. So, Elliot, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, for doing what you do. Uh, I appreciate it. Do me a favor real quick. While I'm going to put it all up on the show notes, uh, give, me your, give me your data real quick. Where do people find you? Uh, what's out there? Um, Go for it. So, so the best one is, so the app is called Primed Mind. 
So you can check that out on the App Store. Is that P-R-I-M-E-D? E-D, E-D. yeah, Primed, and then mine. Um, you can, my website's elliotrow.com, um, and I think I'm elliotrow1 on Twitter um, is where you can find um, yeah, the, the sort of the social media stuff. Um, but the best thing is, if you've enjoyed this conversation, the app has a ton of free content. Mm-hmm. Just download it and use the free stuff and see what you think. That would be the sort of the first port of call, I would think, for most people. And then, you know, the therapy that I'm talking about, obviously I've been talking about hypnotherapy. There are other very good types of therapy as well. If this stuff has resonated, try and find someone local to you that you can go and talk to and at least give it a try yeah. if you feel you're waking up at the eight or nine. Because realistically, you know, you what are you going to lose by trying to change these things? But the potential gain could be enormous if you manage to make that shift and wake up a happier person. Yeah. And, and go in with all your doubt and all your judgment, and all your crap, you know, carry it in there uh, and leave it. So absolutely. I mean, I think that's just like, it's, it's worth it, right? It is 100% worth the, the look at things and worth, you know, continuing to explore what's there and what's available. So I, I greatly appreciate it. I hope the audience got something from today. Um, We'll put up some show notes. I'll put up some techniques. I've got some stuff from Elliot, kind of some tips and tricks on how to do uh, links to uh, where you can find this guy everywhere. And uh, and also I'll get a link up uh, to download the app. So Elliot, thanks so much for coming. Thanks again for everybody for listening. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Mindset Radio. If you like today's show and want to know more, check us out at opmindset.com backslash mindset radio. That's opmindset.com backslash mindset radio. You'll have all the show notes and bonus materials from today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe and make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure to check out our sponsors and stop by opmindset.org. That's opmindset.org to learn more about how we're mentally, physically, and emotionally preparing those who choose to place themselves in harm's way through the Operational Mindset Foundation. I'm your host, Jeff Bandman, and we'll see you next time on Mindset Radio.